Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We're currently in the series, Best Of. We hope it's a blessing to you. I want to welcome you back to Best Of. This is our final series in the middle school. And what we're doing with this series is we're taking a walk down memory lane and we're remembering the different teaching series that has guided our path to date. But we're not just looking back, we're also using those different series to point forward to where in five weeks we occupy our new home, which is something very thrilling and exciting for us. So last week, I started Best Of by reviewing with you my very first talk that I gave here as the pastor of Valley Point. And that was on January 17th, 2010. And on that day, we were walking through a leadership transition. That was the season in front of us. And God certainly brought us through that, which is wonderful news. It's appropriate to review that, though, because now we're facing a transition of a different kind, a location transition. And what I shared back in 2010 is very appropriate to what we are feeling and what we're experiencing today. The big idea last week was that transitions provide unique opportunities for growth. And I think that was true seven and a half, almost eight years ago, and that is certainly true for what we experience today. So this morning, I want to go back to a series entitled Real Home. We launched this series in February of 2014 as we embarked on really an extraordinary journey where we saw the generosity of God's people just displayed in some wonderful ways that brings us to where we are today. And so I want to go back and review a couple of those thoughts, knowing that journey as we walked through Real Home back in February and March of 2014 really paved the way for where we are today. Here's the big idea that I shared a few years ago, and it's the same one today, so please take out your talk notes, and I want you to fill in this blank. There is a great opportunity for Valley Point Church. I shared that back then. I believe that to be true in 2014. I think it's very true today as well. There is a great opportunity for Valley Point Church, and we're going to define that word opportunity in just a little bit to give more meaning to it. Great opportunity for Valley Point Church. So here's what this series did. We took several weeks to walk through the life of a guy in the Bible named Nehemiah. And this guy, he's incredible. He has a whole book of the Bible actually named after him and what he said and what he did. And the reason we went to that book is because Nehemiah was involved in a construction project. There was something that he needed to repair. There was something that he needed to rebuild. And we were in the process of saying, we believe God has called us to build and to move back to our property on Bethel Road. And so what does scripture have to say about construction. And it's interesting because you might think it doesn't have anything to say at all. But yet when you discover the book of Nehemiah and you walk through his life and the things that he did and some of the strategies that he put in play, you discover the Bible has something to say 
about construction, and we use that as our template for moving forward. So, Nehemiah, this guy, here's what happens in chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1, we find him working for a king. He's got a really good job, an important job. But in the process of doing his work, somebody comes to him and gives him some news about his hometown. His hometown was Jerusalem. And he wasn't living there. He was working for this king in another country. But he gets this news about his city, his town, that he knew and he loved, and it was in ruins. The walls were burned The gates were destroyed. It was just a bunch of rubble. The city of Jerusalem was toast. It was a big mess. And so, as you would think would be normal for someone, that's their hometown, and they receive bad news news about it, he's very discouraged. He's a little depressed about what he hears. And that begins to impact his job. Well, what Nehemiah does next is he takes all of that to God. I'm only God. I can't do anything. I'm not in Jerusalem. I'm not there. The city that I love and care about is destroyed. It's in ruins. It's not a good scene. And so I'm just going to have to talk to God about this. And so he prayed and he fasted and he took all of that news straight to God. That's chapter one. Well, in the first part of chapter two, what we find is that he's doing his job for the king, but not just any king. The king that he was working for at the time was the most powerful person in the known world. He had all authority, all power, a really big deal. And the king notices that Nehemiah is a little off. Like something's wrong with him. He's not his normal chipper self. He's not happy. Something is getting to him. And so the king asks, Nehemiah, what's the problem? What's happening here? You don't seem to be yourself. Something's wrong. Why don't you tell me about that? Well, what's interesting is I'm going to go back to chapter 1 for a moment because in that chapter, Nehemiah actually prays as he's giving all of this to God because there's nothing he can do about it. He actually prays and he asks God to give him an opportunity to talk to the king. This guy has the ability to change the situation in Jerusalem because of his power and his wealth and his authority. I can't do anything about it. God, give me favor with the king. Give me an opportunity to speak into this. That's chapter one. That's part of his prayer. And so in chapter two, the king notices something's wrong with Nehemiah. What's happening? Why don't you tell me? And so Nehemiah seizes his divine moment. He seizes the opportunity in front of him. And he says, okay, God, give me the right words. And he begins to talk to the king about his hometown and how it's ruined and it's destroyed. And this is what's causing him to be sad. Well, if you follow the story, what you find is that the king basically says, oh my goodness, let's do something about that. Nehemiah, go fix it. And what do you need? I'll give you money. I'll give you supplies. I'll make sure that you get there safely and nobody bothers you. You go and you fix your hometown. And so he starts that process. Today we find ourselves in the second part of chapter two, and we're not going to walk through the entire book and everything that happened here. I want to zero in on the second part of chapter two because I think it's very appropriate for where we find ourselves today. 
Nehemiah is back in the city. He's given a break from his job, and so he travels, and he gets there, and it's not a pretty sight, but Nehemiah did see two things. As he looked around, he saw an opportunity for God. Like, only God can take care of this mess, because it's really bad. I mean, this is destroyed. And he saw a great opportunity for God. I believe he also saw a great opportunity for God's people to engage in the process. So God had a part. God did something, but Nehemiah realized that God's people have a part to play in this as well. And so as Nehemiah looked at that destroyed city where no one else could see anything at all but the rubble, he saw an opportunity for God and he saw an opportunity for God's people. I think the key word in that is opportunity. So let's define that a little bit. Opportunity, it's a God-honoring plan to accomplish a God-given dream. That's the opportunity we find here in the book of Nehemiah in the city of Jerusalem. This is also the opportunity we find for ourselves right here as we get ready to move. A God-honoring plan to accomplish a God-given dream. So let's go to the text now. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. By the way, if you're interested in context and history, the book of Nehemiah, scholars tell us, was written in approximately 445 to 442 BC, so a long time ago. And the king, the ruling authority at this time, is a guy named Artaxerxes. Great name, right? But this is the king who's in control, and he gives permission for Nehemiah to go. And here's where we pick up with the story. Verse 11. So I, Nehemiah, arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. Now let's pause there for just a moment, because when I first read that, I began to think, why does Nehemiah wait? I mean, this is his divine moment. This is what he's wanted. He wants to get back to Jerusalem. He gets there, and it says that he waits. Why would he do that? That makes no sense at all. Well, we don't actually know, because Scripture doesn't tell us, but I believe Nehemiah was probably planning and praying, and he spent a little bit of time doing that, knowing the enormity of the task. I mean, he knew. So he arrives in Jerusalem three days later, He slips out. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley point gate. All right, just making sure you're paying attention. Valley gate. Went past the jackal's well and over to the dung gate. That sounds pleasant, right? I went over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burn gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So, though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing. For I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, 
the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. All right, so Nehemiah is walking around, and here's what he sees. Broken gates, burned walls, and a bunch of rubble. That's all he sees, because that's all that there is. I mean, the place is just a hot mess. But he also sees an opportunity for God. And here's something that's really important to understanding the book of Nehemiah. So a little more context for us to get the depth of what's happening here. A thriving, prevailing Jerusalem. Not a broken down city that was destroyed, but a thriving, prevailing Jerusalem meant that God's influence and impact would increase. A repaired Jerusalem would make God's name famous throughout the world. And Nehemiah got that. He understood that. And so this is so much more than just rebuilding his hometown. It's so much more than just putting a wall back together. Nehemiah is recognizing if we do this, if we get this right, God's influence and impact, it just grows. And more and more people find hope and purpose in a loving God and what he extends to everyone. Nehemiah understood that. Now, I want you to hear this. So all eyes up here for just a moment. I really believe that a thriving and prevailing Valley Point Church means that God's influence and impact will grow in this area and beyond, and more and more people will come into a loving relationship with God and understand what he offers through the person of Christ. I really believe that, and that's why we chase this whole project. There is a great opportunity for God, a great opportunity. That was true for Nehemiah as he thought about rebuilding, understanding that this would make the fame of God even greater, and it's the same for us, an amazing opportunity All right, back to the story. Verse 17. By the way, Nehemiah could have stopped right there. He really could have, and it's almost shocking that he didn't. Like, this is just a mess. I didn't sign up for this. I mean, there's even a gate called the poop gate. All right, like, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I don't need this. But Nehemiah saw a great opportunity for God and certainly an opportunity for God's people to engage So here's what we discover, verse 17. But now I said to them, this is Nehemiah now talking to the people. After all of the inspecting, after looking at all of that and praying and planning and crying probably, he says, this is what I want for you. You know very well what trouble we are in. I mean, take a look around. This isn't exactly Buckingham Palace here, right? So you know what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And so they began the good work. See, what happens here is Nehemiah kind of reframes the opportunity a little bit to say this is our chance 
to restore our city and our hope and our homes and the people got it. And they said, yes, let's do that. Let's rebuild. Let's rebuild. That was their opportunity. And in just a few moments, we'll realize that they were able to see that come to pass. It happened for them. That's their opportunity. I want us to wrestle with this question for just a few moments, though. What is our opportunity? What's our opportunity? Well, in reviewing my notes from the Real Home series in 2014, we began to talk about how a future home would be so wonderful for us as a faith community because it would help us reach more people for Christ. It would send the community a message that we're here to stay and that we love them. And it would also establish a place for generations to call home. Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, they would have a place to call home that's not portable. And so we talked about that in 2014. Here's our chance. Here's our opportunity to reach more people for Christ, to send the community a message that we're here to stay and we love them deeply and to establish a home for future generations. This message was given a little over 1,300 days ago. It's a long time. When I talked about this opportunity to reach more people for Christ, to send the community a message that we're here to stay and we love them and to establish a place for generations to call home. This was given over 1,300 days ago. In 2014, that was a dream. That was a vision. And honestly, we had faith and trust, but didn't even know if it could really happen. So in 2014, over 1,300 days ago, that was a dream and a vision. I think a great dream and a great vision. But guess what? We are 35 days away from that dream becoming our reality. 35 days away. And that's a great place to actually clap because it's a good thing, right? (laughs) 35 days away. I want to go back to our big idea. There's a great opportunity for Valley Point Church. And remember, opportunity, it's a God-honoring plan to accomplish a God-given dream. I think we have a God-given plan And we're accomplishing a God-given dream. It's incredible. It's incredible. And in 35 days, we step into our reality. So think about this. Since 2014, we've done the Nehemiah thing. We have planned. We have strategized. We have prayed. We have cried. And then we needed more time to plan, to strategize, to pray again, and to cry. And I think we went through several rounds of that. But God did what only God could do. And it is now time to seize our divine moment and to step into the opportunity. It is time to finish what God has asked us to do. Are you with me, church? It's time to finish. It's time to finish. So Nehemiah teaches us so many things. He teaches us about teams that finish. Let me share this with you. Number one, a team that finishes has a compelling purpose. 
They understand their what and their why. And we've tried to establish that diligently along the way to reach more people for Christ, to send the community a message we're here to stay and to establish a home for generations. That's what we want. A team that finishes, they have a compelling purpose. Secondly, a team that finishes has continual prayer, constant prayer. You know what's really interesting in the middle of all of this? There's so much planning and and meetings and you've heard me joke about memorandums of understanding and attorneys and trips to Harrisburg and all of this stuff has to happen. But along the way, there's been something else that I think has sustained us and has sustained the project beyond all of those things. And that has been prayer. And, And we've had to do that continually. Let me show you some pictures. This is our church praying in 2014. We had a bonfire outside and we just got together and said, God, do something on this property. If you look at that space today, there's a parking lot there. So I guess we won't be able to have bonfires anymore. (laughs) So we'll have to find new ways to creatively pray. But that happened in 2014. We prayed and boy, that space has already changed. It's different. We need to step into that opportunity. In 2016, we gathered on the side of our property because we still didn't have a water solution. And we needed it, and there was water right on the other side. And so we just got over there and said, God, it's right over there. We we need it over here. And we prayed about that, and God came through in a miraculous way. And we now have public water on our site. It's wonderful. In 2017, we gathered in the floor of our new home. It wasn't even really constructed quite yet. You see the elevator tower in the back, this dirt floor. We just got into that space for the very first time. We sang some songs together. It was a beautiful evening. And then we wrote some things on the wall, things that we wanted God to do. And prayers for ourselves and for our families and for those who were to come. We took time to do that. In 2017, then in May, we met inside our home. And I'm standing on what will be, is already actually, our future stage. And in that space there, we just took some markers and we wrote down the names of people that we would hope would join us at some point at Valley Point Church. And those names are all covered now. So you can't even see them, but they're there. And we took some time on on that night just to pray in our future home and to write down the people that we love, that we want to see come to this place. And we prayed over that. By the way, last week, one of the names that I wrote down on the floor that I wanted to see come came here last Sunday. And I almost told him, you can't can't come yet. Can't. Now, yeah, you got to wait till we get into that space and... Boy, what a joy it is. God answers prayers. Right? When we we pray, it's a wonderful thing. And this has marked our journey that we've had to get before God. And if you've ever wondered if God hears or cares, well, he does. And that's our story. Teams that finish have continual prayer. Thirdly, a team that finishes, they have courageous persistence. There is a grit to them. So look around the room for just a moment. Go ahead, actually look around the room. We're a gritty bunch, aren't we? We may not be pretty, but we are 
gritty. There is persistence to what has happened here. And that's a mark of a team that finishes. And get this, in Nehemiah chapter 6, I just want you to listen to these words. Here's what we discover about Nehemiah's team. They had this persistence, this grit. They prayed. They had a plan. Here's what Nehemiah 6 verse 15 says. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. So our project took a little bit longer than 52 days. It did. But we're here. And in 35 days, we realize our destiny. We realize that vision and that hope. And I think it's going to be said that this was all done with the help of our God. I've got one takeaway. Here it is. Between here and there, between the middle school and Valley Point Church, between Smithbridge Road and Bethel, however you want to phrase this, between here and there, let God do a work in you. Okay? We don't want to occupy that new home and be the same people that we are today. So we have 35 days to ask God, what is it that you need to do inside of me? Don't be afraid to ask that question and then let God do it. Maybe there's some confession that needs to take place on the inside. And you've been resisting for whatever reason. Just know that God tells us to come to him. And if we confess to our father, he is faithful and he is just. And he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let God do that work in you in the next 35 days. Maybe you need to trust Jesus alone. And you've been trying to seek him. And who is this person? And what does he offer for me? And you've resisted and you haven't trusted in him alone to rescue you yet. Well, in the next 35 days, let God do a work in you and trust. Maybe you need to repair a relationship between here and there. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to happen. A relationship that has been broken just like the walls of Jerusalem. Or maybe it needs to be rebuilt again like our new home. Let God do that work in you. And maybe you're the one who needs to take that first step. So in the next 35 days, let God do that work in you. Maybe you need to become a little more generous. Maybe you need to step into a volunteer role and be part of linking arms with people. Maybe God wants you to step into a life group where you get the chance to know other people and allow them to hold you accountable. I don't know what God needs to do, but we've got 35 days to allow God to really stir and work in our hearts, let's let him do it. Let's let him do it, okay? Because there is a great opportunity for Valley Point Church. Father, we come before you and we're so thankful for this amazing book and this amazing man, Nehemiah. There's so much that we learn from him. He built a team that had to go into a very difficult situation and there was a plan and there was prayer and there was grit to the task that they had. 
And God, in a very short time, they realized their future. And as everybody looked at that, they realized that God was with them. That God was with them. Father, I believe the same thing is happening right here at Valley Point Church. We started on this journey in 2014 saying, we want more people to come into a loving relationship with God. And we want to demonstrate to the community that we're here to stay and that we love them. And we're seeing that happen. And we wanted to build a place for future generations to call home our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and all those who will move into this area who need a faith community to be light and to bring hope and purpose. We're seeing these things happen. God, we have 35 days before the wall is rebuilt and we occupy And so, God, we give this time to you and ask that you do a work in us. God, for each and every one of us, do a work. Do a work because there is an amazing opportunity for Valley Point Church that expands your impact and influence. Help us to be that kind of faith community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.